Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 130. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with someone who I've talked to before, and I always enjoy speaking with her. My guest today is Lainey Smith. Lainey Smith is a registered art therapist. She's the owner and founder of Integrative Art Therapy and a transformational wellness coach in Phoenix. And of course, her coaching is available everywhere. Lainey uses eco-psychology and eco-art in her work. Lainey is very accomplished professionally, but she says that her best work is a result of moving through her own history in order to release the conditioned self-limiting beliefs and behaviors of the past. I could relate to that so much because it we can have all the training in the world, but if we haven't worked to better ourselves as therapists, you know, a personal journey of growth that doesn't really end, but something that hopefully all of us are in the process of doing to grow and learn about who we are, which makes us happier people and better therapists. Lainey and I are talking about spirituality as burnout prevention using eco art therapy. And as always, we had a wonderful discussion. I always enjoy talking with Lainey. So let's settle in and listen to my interview with Lainey Smith. Now, before we dig in, I want to be sure you heard that my next Equine Daring Way retreat co-facilitated together with Charlotte Heiler Easley is scheduled. It's June 1st and 2nd. It's a two-day retreat this time, June 1st and 2nd in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the end of March and registration is currently open. There is early bird pricing available until April 15th and then the regular pricing kicks in and I hope you'll join us. We're limiting this retreat to 10 participants and we would love to have you with us. So to find out more, go to my website, lauraregan.lcswc.com and click on retreat. You can also get there through the Therapy Chat Podcast website, therapychatpodcast.com, and then just look at the top navigation and you'll see work with me and under that retreat. You can also find this on Charlotte's website, charlotteheilereasley.com. We hope you'll join us. And now let's move into the conversation with Lainey. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who I love talking to, as well as you can hear my cat. She's going to participate in this conversation. But the one who will be talking the most with me is Lainey Smith, who's an eco art therapist in Phoenix, Arizona. Lainey, thanks so much for coming back to Therapy Chat. 
Oh, thanks for having me. And I'm so glad that your cat is joining us. <laughs> That's like completely perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's like another country heard from. You can't really make a cat go away. So um, you just have to kind of go with it. But now, they're such a, an important part of our ecosystem. So it, it just it ties right in. Oh, good. So she's not an unwelcome visitor. She's a natural part of our conversation. I like that actually a lot better. Absolutely. Good yeah. reframe. <laughs> <laughs> part of the environment. Yeah, I can tell you're a therapist. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Lainey and I talked before about eco art therapy kind of generally, and it was a fascinating conversation about kind of how um, this experiential practice can really be so beneficial and so powerful in helping people have transformational experiences in therapy. And so today our topic is spirituality as burnout prevention using eco art for wellness. So Lainey, before we really dig into that, for anybody who's not familiar, how about if you just go ahead and give our audience a little bit of background about yourself and your work? Oh, sure. So I, I'm um, originally art therapist, registered art therapist, um, and I'm here in Phoenix, Arizona, as you mentioned. And I've always been drawn to working with natural materials, natural themes, um, I just that was kind of my intuitive sense w with being an art therapist, regardless of what setting I was in. I kind of started in, you know, psychiatric inpatient and worked in outpatient, partial hospitalization, residential treatments um, before getting into private practice. And so it's just been something that has continued to grow both, you know, experientially and just my passion for it. And so I began you know, over the years working too with other helpers and healers. And so I kind of um, gradually moved into some of the coaching world as well. And so that's kind of where this idea of spirituality and burnout prevention are kind of married together with this eco art framework, because I saw how powerful it was for, you know, my clients. And then, as you know, we're humans too. So it was equally as powerful, you know, for helping professionals. Yeah. And the subject of self-care for helping professionals, I mean, self-care is important for everyone, but for people who help other people for a living, it's literally, it can be a life or death thing. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, caregiver stress, compassion, fatigue, burnout, all of those vicarious trauma, they are real. And um, I've kind of had my own history and experience with those that kind of fueled my passion for making sure that other people, whether they were, you know, colleagues in my community or contractors in my group practice or even clients that came, you know, as therapists to therapy. I just saw how important this piece was for myself and other people to actually be effective. You know, there's there are ethical concerns that we don't necessarily have to get into, but it, it's imperative if we're not taking care of ourselves, then we're not going to be making the best decisions. And that ultimately does affect the people that we're serving. Yeah. You know, I mean, we owe it to ourselves to take care of ourselves. But if we won't put taking care of ourselves as a good enough reason to practice self-care and to address the effects of exposure to trauma through work, then we need to at least recognize that we can do harm as helping professionals. We're not well, you know, and it's not a shame thing. It's just a fact. I mean, we've all seen burned out professionals who are doing harm and nobody wants to be like that. And those people didn't want to be like that either. They just got that way because they neglected themselves so severely, probably for good reason that, you know, they kind of lose who they are. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love that you pointed out that there's no shame in that, because I think that that is kind of one of the things that I see most is that helping professionals, self-included, I went through this, you know, this process thinking that, oh, I... I'm a helper, I'm a healer, I'm, I'm a therapist, and I shouldn't, you know, I should know this stuff, I should be able to do this, I shouldn't need as much help, um, or just giving themselves a really hard time, even if they are willing to reach out and get the support, 
still just kind of um, beating themselves up in a sense that they can't do more or, you know, see more clients or um, just juggle as much as they're maybe expected to juggle, depending on the, you know, the organization. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's so many factors that play a role in how we can become burned out. And, but do you want to share anything about your own experience? Because I know you've had some really intense um, work settings that you've worked in that would be certainly cause a lot of exposure to trauma. You know, we all are exposed to trauma in our work, but some settings really have more intensity than others. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I, I've kind of always been the type of person as as an artist and creative that likes to dive into things. And in some ways, that's a really great strength. And at other times, I've seen where, wow, this maybe I could have thought through this a little more. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that I'm always like anyone on that continuum. And my career actually began with that diving in that I talked about. And so even before my experience began with, you know, art therapy and graduate school and and official professional training, I was um, exploring art therapy as um, someone who wanted to potentially pursue it. And so I applied for um, an opportunity to work abroad where I was a student researcher and I was really wearing an artist hat, not an art therapist hat. And so I was Um, doing more of an art education um, process and role within some research to look at the efficacy of art therapy with war-affected youth. And so I was in Uganda for um, a summer and then eventually went back for another summer as a site supervisor. And they wanted me to kind of continue this project. But the issue was, is that I was, you know, a very sensitive empath and I didn't know that about myself yet. I mean, I certainly had been called sensitive and I didn't necessarily take that as a compliment at that time. And the issue was that I just wasn't prepared, you know, for the things that I was going to see and experience. And there were still parts of my own history that just had not quite been Um, sorted out completely. And I hadn't had formal trauma therapy, so to speak. And so the therapy that I had done, you know, it was more a little, um, I would say, of of the Band-Aid nature, you know, Mm -hmm. and it didn't necessarily get into um, full trauma resolution. And so as a result, that really set me up, you know, to be somewhat vulnerable in those conditions. And so my career really started out with this experience of vicarious trauma. And it informed all of my experience moving forward because I really wanted to make that a focus of my attention in graduate school, in my thesis, looking at, you know, the role that self-care would play and and really what was vicarious trauma, because that was a foreign term to me at that time. And so I just had a lot to learn in terms of how to really take the best care of myself in order to continue doing this work you know, um, for the long, for the long game. Yeah, that's the key. We want to be in this as a career. We don't want to be like a spectacular shooting star dazzling for five years and then fizzling away and disappearing. Right. You know, or worse living a, a, you know, the remaining parts of your life, the remaining years of your life miserable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there's there's a lot to be said to taking really, really great care of yourself so that you can show up in the best version of yourself possible. And I can't tell you how many times and how often I hear, you know, feeling selfish and feeling guilty um, for taking time off or taking care of yourself. And really, those are things that just need to be examined because ultimately they usually come from core beliefs and those usually come from, you know, familial patterns. And there's, there's a lot of factors. I mean, part of it being the culture or the, the climate of the organization or wherever you may be working, you know, there's a culture. So some of it is, you know, environmental and cultural, but then there's also the familial piece. And so just really making sure that you are, 
mindful enough to be looking at those things and how, you know, when those feelings arise, that you're not necessarily taking those for truth, that you're really staying connected, you know, to your body and in the present moment to really test that because it just doesn't make any sense if you truly pull it apart and look at it, you know, from like a a mature adult perspective, there's there's no way that we would think it's selfish or that we should somehow be ashamed of taking care of ourselves. I mean, that just, it, it, it becomes a little bit comical. If you think about it from like a really grounded place, it sounds, um, trying to think of the word, it, it almost ludicrous, sounds like absurd. Ludicrous, that's the perfect word. Yeah. It's like ludicrous because when you're looking at it from like a bird's eye view, you can see that it, that's an emotional response that you're having and it doesn't necessarily fit the, the actual circumstance. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said. I love that you said that because just to sort of summarize some of the finer points that you just mentioned, you mentioned in your own experience in Uganda, which, you know, in a living, immersing oneself in a, an environment affected by war is something that I think it would be almost impossible to prepare for anyway. But when you bring your own prior trauma history that let's face it, most people who go into the helping professionals have some family of origin story that relates to being very responsible for taking care of other people. And you know, that is a type of trauma when that happens in childhood. And so, you know, put that family history together with, you know, uh, a sensitive nature, which again, you know, people who are want to help and care about others are sensitive, <laughs> you know? Well, absolutely. And isn't it beautiful to get to the place where you can actually see the strength in that you know, and, and hindsight's always a, a much, much more uh, pleasant place to be than when you're actually in it, of course. But yeah, yeah I think, I think you know, we talked about that once, um, I think, when I was here before, where there's, you know, we do tend to get into this profession for a reason. And that's not anything to be ashamed of, but it's that, you know, we're helping other people to help ourselves and we're helping ourselves to help other people. And that really is where the kind of the spirituality piece comes in and the, the eco art piece comes in, because when we can see ourselves as connected to everything and we really acknowledge this, this separation is actually an illusion, then there is no shame in, in having your own struggle, you know, with self-care as a helping professional. And there is no shame in needing other people to really support you and help you see the areas that you maybe can't see for yourself. Absolutely. So beautiful. Thank you for saying that too, about how we're all connected. It's so true. And I would love if you could just go there a little bit more about how you see spirituality, because I think um, I know for me, and I may have talked about this before too, but for me, it was a confusing word because I, didn't understand the difference between spirituality and religion until I got in touch with my own spirituality. And I was like, Oh, there is a thing that was missing, but I never knew it was missing. But now that I have it, I realize how I didn't have it before or didn't couldn't access it. That was my connection with myself, my spirituality. And, you know, I think that we're in such a heady culture that it can be really an unfamiliar concept for people. So I'd love for you to just talk a little bit more in depth about what that even means to you and how it fits. Yeah, absolutely. I um, just, I'll just say right off that I too had a, a difficult, I think it's a charged word in general. Um, I'll say for myself, because I grew up in Mississippi and was in Tennessee for 10 years. And so I had this context of kind of the, the Bible belt. And so spirituality, same being from Virginia, same thing. <laughs> yeah. So you get it. And yeah. I'm sure most people do when there is religious, you know, connota connotation or context to spirituality that gets really confusing. So for me, it really um, having 
dabbled in a buffet of religions before I finally kind of stepped into um, just wanting something that was, um, I guess, less rigid or less structured. I I decided, um, you know, to kind of explore different things. And so I will say that I've always been somewhat interested in those things, like even early on um, high school or so looking at, you know, Taoism and Buddhism and those things just really I found fascinating and curious. And so I had a little bit of that, but still carrying the, the religious background that I had. Um, it took time to tease that out for myself. And so once I finally did, you know, kind of come to my own understanding, I really saw, like I said before, spirituality being about um, connection, but also where we derive meaning. And so in some ways, it's about taking time, you know, regular time, whether that's daily or multiple times a day, which, you know, some religions do, but even without religion, making space for yourself to explore, you know, that relationship that you have to yourself, that relationship that you have to the things around you, your humanness, and just being able to appreciate kind of um, the universe and existence. And that's why nature has been such a powerful kind of, I'll say, higher power for me, because it, it rooted me in the present moment. And for me, that is what spirituality is about. It's about connecting you to the here and now so that you can really experience life. And so there's that creative flow that comes with being in the present moment. So that has been, you know, kind of another piece of spirituality. A lot of people think of um, creativity and spirituality as kind of being uh, synonymous in a way. And so really, uh, you know, there's a really great kind of quote that I have, if, if it's okay for me to read, please, I kind of keep it handy. It's uh, Claudia Black, kind of in the, uh, you're familiar with Claudia Black, so I'll just read there. Uh, Practicing spirituality is taking time daily to honor the humanness of others and oneself, to appreciate the universe and to give and share with others. Selfless service in a, in a spiritual practice, and it must be differentiated from the guilty need to rescue. Selfless service or service from the self is born of compassion, and it is not performed out of its server's need. For in spiritual practice, what is offered to others is given freely and spontaneously. And she goes on to speak about kind of heart-centered service and, Mm. you know, the capacity to accept love and give love. And that really is what spirituality means in my world. And it's it's kind of what I um, help people connect to that. Their spirituality can come in all different forms and have all different names. And really part of the the eco art is putting them in touch with that, those senses and sensations that bring them to the present moment so they can kind of define their own spirituality aside from maybe any past programming or influences. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I love talking to you. You're just so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Did I just, I just, uh, what do they say? Verbal vomit? (laughs) No, no. How much to chew on? (laughs) You know, I just think like, I can imagine if I were at a, a dinner party with you or a cocktail party and just like, just talking and just like really like going deep. I love having conversations that are thought provoking and, you know, just really like get me really fired up. So thank you. And I'm, that's why, that's why I wanted to have you back on. Cause every time it's always like, well, let's talk about this. And it always goes so deep. And I'm like, yeah, I'm loving it. <laughs> I wish you, I wish we could just hop to dinner. I love having deep conversations like that. And, you know, I think that's part of what drew me to the field is being able to connect with people on a deep and sensitive level and it's it's what I love about the work that I do now, because really having deep sensory experiences is something that's very hard to put into words mm-hmm. and it's very hard to articulate. And it it does it does not make it any less, pow- you know, um, what's the word? Uh Intelligent in a sense, you know, like our, our sensory intelligence is so powerful and beyond words because it really is that innate sense of knowing that sometimes can be incredibly hard to articulate. And we happen to live in a culture that is very, um, you know, analytical and cognitive and 
uh, linear at times. And so connecting people to that part of them that is is equally valuable so that they can have, and I know you appreciate this from a trauma perspective, that mind-body integration really does give them that whole experience. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you do connect with them, where you feel your mind and body are integrated, and I would probably be lying if I said that I've got that fully worked out because I'm always working on my own personal growth and healing too. But, you know, when when you have those moments when you're really connected within your inner wisdom, I, I say, it's like you just feel like you know and understand things in such a different way that's so open and curious, but also that's where the wisdom is. You know, it's like what makes it wisdom is that you can kind of see the whole picture. Yeah. And it's the difference between being like in your fear-based kind of ego-driven stress mode where you have to worry about outcomes. Fixing and figuring it out and forcing and controlling versus allowing, you know, when, when you're trying to force and control and fix things, there's very much um, kind of the, the opposite of being connected to your higher power, or connected to your highest self or being in the present moment because the, it's this fear that things are not going to turn out the way you want. And that attachment, you know, that attachment to the way we want things to go is not a spiritual experience. It's very much thinking about the kind of individual self versus the greater whole. Yeah. Yeah. Funny that you said attachment because of course attachment has two meanings. The attachment that I often talk about on this podcast about, you know, our attachment in development during childhood and throughout our lives with caregivers and, and people we love and connect with that type of attachment influences how much we're able to let go of attachment to controlling what's going to happen and to knowing and to attachment to the outcome of what, what happens next, what this means, what, what I should do, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's space for both, right? That, like you said, they go hand in hand. And so kind of more of the Buddhist mindful non-attachment is very much supported by having people in your life that you trust, that you can, you know, be yourself with and that you can um, depend, you know, to be there when you need them. And creating that community is is also a part of spirituality. You know, having strong connections in your life, ones that you trust is very much, you know, again, this idea of spirituality comes in so many different forms. And so it really is very individual where we can identify what works for us, what gives us meaning, what allows us to feel connected, and what allows us to really trust more than we've been able to trust before, because that's the that's the piece that we want to practice. You know, I mentioned having that kind of daily time or space to honor both yourself and, and those around you. It's like once you kind of find what works for you, which obviously for me was the the art and nature combined, you know, making that a regular practice is is not only good for you, but then it's a trickle down effect. You know, we were talking about how it's the opposite of selfish and that there's really kind of ludicrous to feel guilty about that, that when we can really carve that time and space regularly for ourselves then there is this opportunity for deeper connection. Yeah, that beautifully comes around to what you just were sharing in that Claudia Black quote, because if you take time for yourself and you are compassionate towards yourself, that the space opens up that you naturally have more to give to others versus what you said in her quote was, the helping the service is not performed from the other's need. So when we are doing it because we need to help people so we can feel okay, that's that, you know, that's that like a child who, you know, had to take care of their parents' emotional needs so that they could, the child could have their own emotional needs met in a, 
in a roundabout way since they weren't being met directly because the parent was unable to for whatever reason or, you know, all of those other dynamics that can happen in childhood to where we end up being a, you know, hyper responsible, possibly like a parentified child, someone who, you know, does for others all the time, but never supposedly never needs anything for themselves. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And the thing is, is that it's it's so important to keep, at least for myself, it's so important to keep reminding that this is not about shaming. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about how these patterns get acted out. It's not to shame. It's to it's to bring light and awareness so that when we are mindfully paying attention, we can see these patterns and we can see how things are playing out. So that we have greater choice and greater power not to stay in this victim role or this victim mentality that says, well, I can't take care of myself. I'm stuck in this situation or, you know, I don't have options. I'm, I'm, you know, there's just so many stories that can come out of that. And so it's just being hyper aware, you know, that's where the mindfulness piece is so powerful so that you begin to see like where these stories are getting played out and recognize that you actually have the power because you are an adult now and we do have choices, even if we don't like those choices sometimes. You know, there's um, Eric Gentry uh, talks about in his compassion fatigue training, this idea of perceptual maturation. And so really choosing to be aligned with whatever it is you're doing. And I know I've had this conversation with other colleagues and contractors and making sure that they recognize that they have choice in who they work with and taking responsibility, you know, for that choice whenever they are getting into a place of fear or judgment of, you know, fear of outcomes that to really stand in their power and know that they're safe in this moment. And so there's a a temptation for the mind to kind of trick us into thinking that we don't have space to choose. So it's really important to, to remember, you know, whether you're working for someone else or you're working for yourself, it's being really intentional, you know, and remembering why you do the work you do. So true. And again, I, I will reiterate what you said about the shaming. I don't mean that there is any shame if you have that family of origin story. I want you to notice how it plays out now so that you can basically take care of that part of yourself that maybe didn't get the needs met back then so that now you can make the decisions for yourself as a compassionate parent would and say, it's time for you to take a break. You've been working enough. You need rest now. Uh, You said that so beautifully, (laughs) you know, and that is, that is the perceptual maturation that I was talking about. You know, when we get to a place where we can hold the parts of ourselves that, you know, want to overwork for approval or want to overwork for control um, or security, it's like also having that part of yourself that can recognize that you actually are safe and it is okay to take a break. And for me, that was always getting outside and making space for creativity and doing the things that, you know, my little inner child would want to do and not giving her a hard time about that. Yeah. Her wants and needs matter. Absolutely. So this has been so far a a really lovely conversation. I'm so much enjoying listening to what you have to say. And I want to give you a chance to talk more about how, eco art fits in with this concept of using spirituality as burnout prevention? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the eco art piece is, is very, it's almost just a spiritual process in and of itself, because it is bridging this idea of art and nature. And it's giving space for personal expression And it's giving space for connecting to yourself on a deep sensory level. And and there's no, you know, kind of right or wrong way to do it. Of course, there's all the, the ideas that you have to be an artist or I'm not a creative. And and really, I I love to remind people that there's all forms of creativity, um, being the best artist or, you know, being 
technical um, and having skill in that way. It's really about allowing yourself to connect deeply with sensory intelligence. You know, we use our minds so much in our modern world and that that takes a real toll on our, um, you know, prefrontal cortex and just using that part of our brain that is task oriented and problem solving and agenda focused. And so really balancing this kind of modern time that we live in full of technology and urbanization, it's it's being able to disconnect and unplug from that for a while to really sink deeply into you know, your experience of the present moment. And that's really where the spirituality piece connects with this idea of um, kind of eco psychology and art combined. And so, um, you know, studies show that all sorts of things are both um, improved and um, challenged, you know, depending on whether we're in or outside and connected or, or disconnected from our environment and things like blood pressure, blood well, tongue tied, blood pressure and pulse rate and cortisol and depression and anxiety. All of those things are reduced just by connecting to the natural world. Because, I mean, if you think about how we've evolved, our natural habitat has been very important and it hasn't been until more modern times that we are removed from that. And so luckily, research is also showing that, you know, creativity and focus and mood and all of those things are improved by reconnecting with the natural world. So, you know, there are so many benefits and um, in terms of natural healing and just creativity development and all of those pieces really are key for burnout prevention and reversing burnout because it truly is this just holistic self-care, you know, being able to step away from maybe the taskmaster that lives within us and and just carve space and time to connect. And, you know, making time with schedules and rituals and routines is very helpful. It's a very grounding experience. So I know for myself and my clients there, we make practices to be outside on a regular basis. For me, it's daily, multiple times a day. And having some clients who incorporate, you know, work outdoors with their clients, which is how, you know, I kind of shifted my practice a few years ago and just really unplugging that part of the brain that wants to continuously problem solve and think and kind of uh, like we were saying before, force or control things and allowing, you know, being in this space of allowing and practicing that on a regular basis. So then it can translate to when you are in stressful times you don't necessarily have to go into this reactive place. Mm, so true. What's coming to mind for me right now is I have not been outside enough lately because <laughs> I definitely know what you mean when you basically it creates more space within so that when situations arise that make you feel stressed, you don't react as quickly and you just, you know, are able to kind of keep it in perspective. Yeah, because nature moves relatively slow compared to, to the, the way humans move around currently. And there's, you know, there's this space to sink, you know, to kind of get into the rhythm of nature. And, and what I love about it and what kind of um, kept me moving in the direction that I was going where, where I started taking clients outside more and more was because I found that when I was doing mindfulness work with clients, that it it was a um, intellectual conversation. You know, we were having somewhat of a mindful intellectual conversation about mindfulness, rather. Whereas when we actually stepped outside, they could experience it, and they they didn't have to think about how to be mindful, which is kind of you know comical in a sense. And so it was just an automatic thing. It's kind of, you know, from a trauma perspective, the, the way I would um, say is that, you know, it's kind of a, a top down. And so they didn't have to think, I'm sorry, bottom up rather. They didn't have to think about that. It was just an automatic thing where they could drop into their bodies and notice how their breath moves slower. Because we're natural creatures who are, you know, removed from our natural environment most of the time, there's this, there's this um, almost like remembering that happens when we step outside and reconnect. 
You know, it's kind of like remembering who we are, remembering that we actually are part of nature. Yeah. Yeah. I really have had that experience myself when I've been in nature. I probably said this when we talked about eco art therapy before, but that when I'm in a place like the Rocky Mountains or something, it's like, how can you not feel connected to everything when you see this? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, it's I not have... a thought. It's an, it's a, like an emotion. Like you said, it's a bottom up experience. It's not a thought of what is the meaning of life? It's like, <laughs> it comes yeah, from within you, just you. Experience it in that moment. And there's nothing that you need to figure out. You know, there's this sense, you know, there's just a, a sense that thing that you are well, you know, there's a wellness that, that comes automatically without having to figure out how to be well. And, you know, there's additional research being done or has been done um, on nature as preventative medicine, too. So this idea of um, in Japan, they call it Shinrin-yoku or forest bathing And so it's just a matter of spending time. You're not doing anything. You know, I have a lot of nature activities that I do with clients and then bridging that with the the art materials. But but really just being in it, you know, like there's not even a lot that needs to be done, per se. It's just the, the, the aspect of being. And a lot of times people struggle with that, especially with trauma background, you know, with meditation or things that have them trying to connect with their body. Whereas going out into nature, there's, there's this aspect of being mindfully present that feels, you know, a lot of times safer and unless there has been some kind of nature that's been paired and associated um, with, with nature, some trauma that connects, you know, to those two pieces Because I have had people say like, oh, I don't like nature. I've had negative experiences. And so that actually, you know, is something that has to be worked through from the perspective of there's there's this story about nature. And so really looking at what is that story in order to connect them back to their kind of natural state, which is, you know, we, we are all connected to nature. So it's really hard not to enjoy that unless there has been some, you know, negative experience that would influence the way you see it. Right. Exactly. And even if there has been, I don't know how it would be possible that it could be in every place of nature that that something bad had happened because there are so many, there are mountains, there's a beach, there's a forest, there's, you know, there's a desert, there's you know. Yeah, it's unlimited. <laughs> it's unlimited. And and the beautiful thing is that you don't necessarily have to be somewhere, you know, that has immediate access because even the research shows looking at pictures of nature, it actually, yeah. you know, creates shifts in the brain and down regulates in a, in a way that, you know, just even having that connection to something that's associated with nature, even though you're not I mean, obviously, the the um, benefits are vast when you're fully emerged or immersed in it. But the 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 research is still out and still continuing to grow. That just looking at things, you know, that are natural, still provide benefit. So that's beautiful. Even if someone has no way to access the real outside, they can still get some benefit just from looking at it, and maybe you know becomes. Uh, a bridge for them to be able to get to the place where they can actually be outside and experience it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. I live in the desert and so I have beautiful mountains and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm lucky enough that there's, you know, within an hour or so you can get to different climates and have greener areas, areas and, and snow and such, but is not. And I, hop on a plane or spend, you know, about six hours in my car. Actually, I take that back. I could get to Mexico in three, but still it's not as accessible. And so getting to water and getting to the beach, but I listen to waves regularly, Mm -hmm. you know, just, I love popping on YouTube and just putting that in the background and it's just soothing and comforting. And it just makes any task, you know, that perhaps my taxes (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. 
any other accounting that I don't per- particularly want to do. Those <laughs> things that are very left and analytical, left brain analytical, logical. I, you know, can can do that. Or, for example, I set my desk up so that I'm facing the park across, you know, the street so that I can look at trees and beautiful plants and flowers when I'm doing things that are kind of a little more um, task oriented on my computer. Yeah. Wonderful examples. So what would you suggest to someone who's listening who wants to tap into this concept of being able to use eco art for connecting with their spirituality and helping them prevent burnout as a helping professional or just, um, you know, for generally people who want to connect to more self-care using these concepts, what would you suggest for them? Well, I would say start where you are. You know, if you're already doing things um, to, to connect with nature on a regular basis and, you know, little creative outlets, journaling or um, collaging or painting, whatever it is that you enjoy dancing. You know, if you're already doing some of those things and you're still feeling burnout, it's asking yourself, you know, where can I where can I create more space to do this, um, you know, Additionally, so if you're only doing it, you know, say uh, weekly or monthly, here's a, here's an opportunity to schedule some rituals and routines where you're actually making space, perhaps before you uh, go into work or in the evenings. You know, really trying to carve space so that you're connecting on a regular daily basis. Because what happens is we have a tendency to do it occasionally and then. Before we know it, we're ignoring our needs and it's, we've gone kind of past. It's like if you think of it from a gas tank perspective, if the, the needle has been on half and then quarter of a tank and if you're not paying attention, all of a sudden that light's on. So really making time to tune in on a daily basis so that you can identify where you're at and then you can assess and pivot as needed. I would also say that it could be very helpful to um, introduce some of these concepts to your clients if you're a helping professional. So beginning to think about taking them outside and beginning to think about how you can introduce them to experience more nature in their life. And if you want to bring in the art component of that, too, you know, there's there's unlimited ways to do it. That's the beautiful thing about being a creative arts therapist is that we can kind of work intuitively and on the spot and come up with creative interventions there. But if you're kind of looking for more ideas and things, I do have some things on my therapy site, my therapy practice site that that could help you there. And there's all sorts of resources out there. Pinterest is a really good place too to, to find creative, uh, you know, ideas. And I think that if there's other pieces, you know, if you're already doing some of the creativity and you're doing some of the nature and you're still kind of feeling spent, it's really important to keep in mind your relationships and your connections in your life. You know, that's a big piece of spirituality is feeling a sense of meaning and a sense of meaning definitely is bolstered by the relationships in our life. So kind of assessing where those are, too. And I kind of went off on a tangent there. So I'm not sure. Did I did I answer your question fully? No, I, I yeah, I, you did. But you didn't tell people anything about how you could help them. <laughs> well, there's just so many ways that can <laughs> that I will add that too. Well, before I do, though, I did want to just share one other piece because, you know, I mentioned the connection and I mentioned the nature and I mentioned the art and and we've talked a lot about mindfulness. So I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with self-regulation. But I, I also think, you know, something we haven't really talked about that is very important and a part of nature is movement. You know, self-care in general is great for eating healthy and, you know, getting exercise and creativity and nature and all that. But we really are quite sedentary in our culture these days. And so I think movement is just something that I would highly encourage to keep in mind too. So that's another great reason for getting people outside if you're a, you know, clinician or therapist and or even other helping professional, being able to move with people. So if you'd like to learn more about all of that, you can find me at laneysmithcoaching.com. And that also links to my uh, group therapy practice, which is integrative art therapy. 
And if you do go to LaneySmithCoaching.com and you'd like to get a free guide, there's a burnout prevention um, activity, which is an eco art invitation. And so you can grab that there. And then that will also put us in touch so we can kind of email back and forth. If you have questions, I can point you in the direction if you're interested in any, you know, reading or experiential activities. Uh, yeah, I would love to stay in touch. Wonderful. Thank you, Lainey. I will put that link in the show notes, of course. And um, I think that this has been, once again, a beautiful, deep, thought-provoking, very right-brainish kind of conversation, even though we're, we're talking and so we're thinking. But I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate you coming back on to Therapy Chat today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Laura. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Lainey Smith. I love talking with her. She always gets me thinking and she goes so deep in her conversations and I really enjoy it. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Please go to SpeakPipe and leave a message letting me know what you think about this episode or feel free to send me an email. You can use the contact me section on my website, therapychatpodcast.com. Until next time, thanks for listening to Therapy Chat. And don't forget, registration for the Equine Retreat is now open, combining the Daring Way and horse work with a beautiful herd in Lexington, Kentucky, June 1st and 2nd, a two-day retreat. Early bird registration is now open until April 15th, 2018. Hope to see you there. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.